0: Welcome to the Big Break Software Podcast. We'll be talking with software startup founders, software coaches, and consultants and how they found their own software success. And now let's get started with the show. Hi everyone, this is Jordy Wardman here, host of the Big Break software podcast where I talk to top leaders in the software field like Seth Godin, Andrew Warner of Mixergy and many more. We also talk about the zero to 30 journey and beyond biggest challenges in the first three phases of their journey in software. Today's episode is brought to you by OneStop.io which I co-founded after being in SaaS for nearly a decade. We have 45 developers waiting to take your idea to fruition. If you want a reliable, full-stack development team with top talent that costs half as much as in-house developers, and you can think of us as your outsourced CTO, because we've got 20 years of development, entrepreneur, and business experience to help keep your project from ending up in the software graveyard. We specialize in software as a service and software startups. Contact us at stop.io so we can spec up your project today. Today, I have Jordan Gal on the show, founder of CartHook, Jordan founded CartHook in 2015 and made a pivot to check out funnels for Shopify. Today, we're going back down memory lane to talk about how Jordan handled his journey from zero to 30,000 MRR and his software Big Break. How are you today, Jordan?
1: I'm doing pretty well, Jordy. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, it's been a few years since you and I have chatted, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take advantage of this and get the full uh, full update. So, cool. Why don't you Why do you start off by telling us who you are, who your customer is, and what problems you solve for your customer?
1: Sure thing. So it's a good place to start. So, I'm Jordan Gall. I I run a company called CartHook. And what we do is help online stores take control of their checkout process and specifically to enable post-purchase upsells, uh, which is a strategy that gained popularity over the past few years. And what it does is it allows e-commerce merchants to increase their average order value by making offers after the initial checkout page. And that's it, Our, our audience right now is Shopify stores. We'll be going to other platforms soon. Okay. Yep, we've been at it for five years. We started off with one product and then launched this, and I, I'm sure we'll get into all of that.
0: Okay, cool. Well, why, why don't we start off first? Um, do you mind telling us some of your SaaS numbers, like how many users you have, what your price point is, and things like that? Yeah, we,
1: we don't share exact numbers, but I give kind of fuzzy numbers. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, the software's been around uh, for three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've processed over a billion dollars in GMV for our okay. merchants. Uh, the company right now is at several million ARR. That's our that's our company line. Okay. Uh, that's our our party line. I like that. Um, yeah, we have. Uh, yeah, we work with large e-commerce stores, and our pricing reflects that. And I can get into the pricing part of the journey. That's been a very pivotal part of the entire thing. Uh, so our software starts at five hundred dollars a month, and then mm-hmm. adds an additional half a percent of all payments transacted through our through our platform okay so so we've you know we've specifically decided to go for the higher end for, the uh, higher for a number end. of reasons okay. yeah we can kind of get into all of that right our, our competitor is at 67 dollars a month so it's been an interesting uh experience competing uh not on price but more on positioning and on service okay. uh, which is not normally what i would have expected when launching a software company
0: okay so there's only one other competitor right for that there for the, the, that's good at least uh that, yeah
1: there there are a handful uh we we think of one as a, a really direct competitor and then there are several that do uh very similar things yeah so people okay. people have
0: options okay cool all right so why don't you just tell me a bit about um where did the idea come from and why did why did you choose um e-commerce
1: Sure. So that, that goes all the way back to the beginning of this journey, which is when I ran an e-commerce store myself. Okay. Uh, so this is, ooh, we're talking was it Shopify. It was not, it was okay. Shopify was barely a functioning product, you know, eight, okay. 10 years ago. It was super simple and we needed more power and we went with a, a platform called Volusion.
0: Okay.
1: Which back then was one of the leaders. Um, and so I started this business excuse me, my brother started the business. I was working on another startup that didn't work out. So when I dropped that, I looked over at his business and while it wasn't growing that quickly, it was a straightforward business model. And that was attractive to me because the the startup that I was working on was a a politics-based site that was advertising business model. Okay, Uh, That was a mistake. I will not do that again. And so looking over at his business where it's, hey, if you spend, you know, money on advertising, you get traffic, some of them convert, then you get revenue, and then you ship them the product and you keep some margin. It was like real straightforward. Yeah. And so I asked him, hey, can I jump in on this? Can I join you? And that's how it got started. Um and so where's
0: your brother now?
1: Is he still so, with you? No, no. We we, we went our company. separate okay. ways after it. So we, we actually sold that company and that's what led to Cardho, to the software company.
0: Okay. Um, so, if I... so just to keep the timeline straight, you you were probably roughly in there for four or five years with this e-commerce because you started nope. in 2015. Or
1: it was no, it was not. It was uh, it was back like eight or ten years ago. So this is like 2011, 12. Okay. And we we ran it for 12 months and then sold it.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: And, and it was not a life changing outcome. I call it career changing, not life changing, right? It wasn't that much money. It was a few hundred grand, which is cool, but we had three of us there. So we split it up and then taxes pretty quick. uh, Yeah. And (laughs) then taxes and everything. It's, you know, it's really at the end of the day, it's not life changing money. Yeah. Uh, But it got me super into e-commerce and it taught me a lot. And what it taught me was, so I was responsible for conversion. Mm -hmm. We had, we had three of us in the company, my two brothers and myself, one was responsible for bringing traffic, I was responsible for converting it, and my younger brother was responsible for what happens after the sale. So okay. email marketing, customer service, and so on. And so that had me very focused on conversion. Okay, I'm getting this traffic, how do I convert it into, into sales? And so I went about learning everything I can get my hands on. I remember one pivotal moment, we hired a company uh, run by, it's called Site Tuners. Mm -hmm. it's run by tim ash who was like a conversion guru i got his book i couldn't understand a word of it it was like math and super high level it was it was not for me yeah but but we were able to hire them and it was 500 bucks for a one-hour consultation and back then we were like my brothers were like that is so much money for one hour why would we do that And i was like guys we need to learn this stuff let's do it that is what set us on the path of understanding the fundamentals of conversion, which are still the same, right? Building trust, building credibility, getting over the hump of uh, objections. And so throughout that journey, we, like the first month we launched, we did like 400 bucks. Then the second month was 1200. And then it was like 3000, 8,000, 15,000, 30,000, 80,000. It was like, we just, as we learned, we just kept applying and then kept upping the budget. Once we had, so it was all AdWords. Facebook.
0: Was it was it paid traffic then? It was mostly paid it traffic? It was,
1: but it was all AdWords. Facebook didn't oh, even really? have an ad platform. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, wow. no Instagram, no nothing, no affiliates. Yeah, like, so this is like early. This is like yes. the early Wild West days. Yes. but look, the fundamentals are still the same. The traffic sources and techniques are far, far more sophisticated, yeah, now, which, yeah. is, which is great. Yeah. So I learned a lot and then we sold the business off because we were selling products that were available elsewhere.
0: Okay. So was Amazon that, around at this time? Was Amazon, Amazon was was grown Just just kind of because I'm thinking 2013 is like kind of when Amazon was starting to Right. And this is 2011-12.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: okay. So
1: we saw Amazon coming and did not like being in a business where our products yeah. were available elsewhere, so we had a decision to make. We could either just sell the company, call it a day, or we could invest in our own brand and our own products. And that sounded like a nightmare. Yeah. Okay. So we just sold. The, we just sold the business and said, "You know what? Good learning experience." Yeah, sounds like a but great learning
0: experience. It, and it was great. Some, yeah. Now yep. you've got some some you know you've got some uh, niche experience in the e commerce world, and okay, so you're sitting on a little pile of money. And, and, and do you decided to, what made you decide to go down SaaS? So,
1: I mean, you, know, you and I go all the way back to the foundation. Okay. So it was the foundation. So I was super interested. So here's what happened to me. One of the really painful experiences of the e-commerce company was that at some point as we were growing and it was fun to grow. Yeah. But, but it is a lot of work. And the more you grow, the more work you're doing. Yeah. And we, we looked around at ourselves and said, so we just worked for a year. Yeah. We have it up to a nice place, right? $80,000 a month is significant after a year. We were proud of ourselves, rightfully. But if we didn't put in another 20 grand in advertising the next month, we'd have effectively no revenue. Uh, I see, yeah. And so I saw that and I said, I will never make the mistake of not insisting on recurring revenue. Yeah. Because if I'm going to do all this work, let's at least have it, be able to sustain itself based on the work that's been done over the past year, as opposed to just having to re up the efforts again and again. And again right. And again. Okay.
0: Okay. So that's what, why we what I wanted SAS basically. That's, that's right. Yeah.
1: That's right. That's why so I got into SaaS for recurring revenue and okay. nothing else. It turned out that I'm passionate about it and really enjoyed, but I got into it for the recurring
0: revenue. Yeah. Okay. And, and I so, just want to clarify for anyone that's listening, when we reference the foundation, it is basically, It was what, like a software course that taught people how to find a problem in, in a niche market, and basically build a SaaS. So that's what we were referring to. Yes,
1: the right. It was like a, like a methodology for, yeah. uh, for building a software company. And I am not technical. I don't do any development. And I was attracted to the, the foundation because Dane had been able to do that without development chops. And that's what I needed to figure out next. I said, I want software, but I don't know how to write software. How do I go from here to there? How do I get a software company if I don't know how to create the product?
0: Okay. So you're in the foundation. Is that where the, is, and you decided, well, I know e-commerce, that's where the route I'm going to go down. Is that, is that how, basically how they came?
1: Yes. Out? I was not looking okay. for an idea. I, 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 did explore other ideas to be open-minded, but I, I was pretty sure I would end up in the e-commerce niche.
0: And conversion specifically, probably. probably right. Exactly. Like exactly. I know conversions. So I, you know, I know how to convert stuff. Yes. So that's what you're thinking. Okay. That's yes. interesting. Uh, yeah. Um Yeah. Okay, so you have some real specific uh, skills around that that specific area and you're like, okay, I know this, I-, I wanna go. All right, so did you did you start doing ID extraction at all? Or did you, just, I mean, how did you figure out, tell me the story of like what made you come up with and how did you get to your, the point of your MVP? And what was the original sure. problem that your MVP was solving? Sure, so
1: I was practical about it. What I did was I looked at our credit card bills from when we ran the online store okay. and I looked at the different software that we paid for and then I went to their sites and just thought about what was the dynamic happening between ourselves, the customer and the software company and what I identified as, the, as a good place to start was an abandoned cart app. Okay. So back then that concept was new, right? So what an abandoned cart app does in e-commerce is it keeps track of the emails input into your checkout page. Mm -hmm. And then if the shopper begins the checkout process by putting in their email address, but then doesn't complete the purchase for whatever reason, that abandoned cart app then triggers an email with the products that are in the cart saying, Hey, you left this behind. Do you want a 10% discount on shipping or, you know, come back and buy it.
0: Yeah. And was, so there, we, was there any other abandoned card software out at the time?
1: There were, were very, very few. Uh-huh. And so we used one of them and it was not good software, but okay. it made us 2000 $3,000 every month. Okay. And we paid. So you knew, I knew think, it was very valuable. I knew yeah. that the ratio of how much value we got to how much we paid was so high that I just would never cancel it.
0: For example, how much was that? Uh, that, service
1: I think, that I think it paid? was $79 a month. Okay, so you, so it's may, making may you a, need to get two grand back. Exactly right. Yeah. So even if the software wasn't good, I'm, yeah. I'm not canceling that thing. It's on yeah. autopilots making me three grand a month. Yeah. So I looked at that dynamic and I said, I want to be that guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes.
1: So, I, that's so this I, is your
0: idea then. You didn't, no one told you about this idea. So you're going against Dean's principles yes. and you're saying this is my idea. And I know it's a good one because I already saw it in, in effect. And this software is terrible. Exactly. Go out and build a better, you know, widget or whatever.
1: Bingo. That's that's exactly it. And so, then my next problem was: how do I get an app built? Okay. What's what's the best way to do it? And I explored. I explored everything. I looked. I talked to agencies. I talked to freelancers. I, you know, I I tried to figure out what the best way to do it is. It's it's a daunting thing when you're not technical to hire an agency to build you an app for, call it twenty five or thirty grand. And then what? then you run the app, but then as soon as you launch it, you know, you have to make changes and improvements. Yeah. And so then what you go back to the agency and just keep paying more, you kind of like, you don't want to be in that position. It's I think, I think it's a tricky position to be in.
0: Right. Okay. So tell me how you overcame that.
1: A little bit of luck and a little bit of preparation and you know, how a lot of these things go. I was in San Francisco at the time. My wife and I were traveling around for 18 months, checking out different cities and where we wanted to live. Mm -hmm. Um, and this is like I,
0: 2015? Where, what time are we in now? Yeah, 2014. Okay. 14,
1: yep. Okay. Um, maybe even late 2013 or so. So I'm in San Francisco and I go to the laundromat mm-hmm. and I bump into one of my wife's family friends from back in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And I recognize him as the younger brother of one of my wife's best friends. And I always knew that he, all I knew about him was that he was, he was the whiz kid. He was the computer whiz kid. Okay. So, the, you know, the light bulb goes off in my head. I'm like, you're like, Charlie, oh, I could talk to this guy about, <laughs> yes. so we could geek out on, on how yes. to do this. Yes. So we say, hey, it's amazing. We live a few blocks away. Let's go get dinner. Then, we, then he and I start having coffee like once a week or so. Turns out he's an engineer, but he's always been on other people's projects and he wants to get some entrepreneurial experience. Okay. So I, I make him the pitch. I say, all right, if you build this thing, I'll give you a piece of the company and we'll be partners and I'll go off and sell it. And then what I had to do was prove to a talented engineer that it was worth their time to work on my idea for free.
0: Oh my God. That is so hard to do. It's so hard to do. So can we break that down? Like how you did that? Because that is, you know, it sounds like, okay, that's what you need to do. But I, you, I can't tell you how many people pitch me all the time. Like, would you take a piece of this? I got this idea. It's like, you know, I hear this five times a day or maybe not that much, but at least a week I'm getting this pitch all the time. So tell me how you, how you did did that.
1: Yeah. It, It is a very challenging position for an entrepreneur to be in. You are in a position of weakness. You, you're begging a little bit. Yeah. And, and you're, you're beholden. You don't have power in the situation. It's really uncomfortable. It's a tough spot. Yeah. So, right, if you've, if you've exited a company that sold for $50 million and you are a non-technical founder, people are going to work for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, cool. I'll, I'll, I'll go aboard this because the, the risk is Basically, the... first time. Exactly. Effectively, yeah. nobody. You don't yeah. have a track record. So what I had to do was I had to do two things at once. Um, lower the risk, right? The, the risk is I'm going to take three months of my freelancer time that I could be making 10, 20 grand a month and give yeah. it to you for free. That's, that's a lot of risk. yeah. And then the other part was to make it exciting. Yeah. So lower the risk and make it exciting. So the way I lowered the risk was I said, look, I've run an e commerce business, mm-hmm. it was successful, I sold it, right? So I'm like building up my credibility. Yeah. Additionally, I know this product, I did the research. Here yeah. are all the screenshots. And then here are all the cold emails that I've sent out and here are the conversations that people are responding to my cold emails saying, yeah. that sounds great. I don't like my existing software or I don't use anything like that. I'd love to yeah. try that. So okay. I'm lowering the risk. You're not wasting your time. You're not wasting your time. You're not wasting your yeah.
0: time. Is this something then- you can do like in, in like a pitch deck or is this something you do like at a coffee shop with him physically just like showing him like you got your laptop out and you just showed him all this stuff.
1: I got the laptop laptop out over, over coffee, over several conversations and, and built up the credibility and lowered the risk and did, did all those things through these conversations. And, and the other part of it was someone who's technical very often uh, understands that they have certain strengths, but that they lack other things. Usually it's marketing and sales. And sales. Exactly. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. And so, so, and as he's, you, it sounds like he's already interested in, In you mentioned that he's already interested in kind of getting that entrepreneurial uh, experience as well. Yes. So he's already sort of open to this idea. The idea yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, and I think what you'll find these days is that people are, are more aware and the market is more developed. And so what you have is talented engineers looking for a, right, a, a companion that yeah. matches that helps them fill those, those weaknesses. Uh-huh. So, right. That, that, that team of engineer
0: plus salesperson,
1: that's, it's, that's it's a great starting team. Yeah. Yeah. Team. Yep. Yeah.
0: Okay. And so, um, how much, um, time did he have to put in? Like, did, and did you value his time for the equity? How did you come up with that equation? Uh, it was pretty roundabout.
1: It was, okay. look, I, I'm going to take, you're going to do work. But I'm yeah. taking on the majority of the risk and I'm going to be doing the full time work without pay. Yeah. Um, so I gave him a sizable but not huge part of the company. Okay. Can you tell right. us what
0: that number was? Or about N-
1: not exactly, yeah. but but okay. more than 10% and less than 50.
0: Okay. Right? Uh-huh. Sig-
1: significant, but not okay. not like 50% or anything like, like okay. that. Okay. Um, that has worked out very well for Charlie.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is he still is he still uh is still an owner then? He, he's still an owner. Look, once yeah. you own, you own, right? Yeah, that's, okay. So that's, I, that's I wasn't the sure if you be. bought him out or, you know, like I, did, I wasn't sure no,
1: about that. No, Haven't bought no. him out and, and is have he treated still with him.
0: him. Is, is he still with you?
1: He's not. So here's what happened next. We we launched the product. It took about three months.
0: Yeah.
1: And then I start selling it. And and then he's helping me on nights and weekends. Uh, but it's mostly now the baton has been passed to me. It's now, okay, okay. go, go Was sell. Was he
0: doing this as a side hustle? Like he had a main gig or was he doing it full-time
1: he was a freelancer okay. and so just didn't take on customers clients okay. for three months did okay. it full-time and then went back to his freelance okay. work okay got and he, he's a great engineer and ux person so he like yeah. he had his he always had work
0: okay
1: um and so then the baton gets passed over to me and i start selling it i start using cold email right back then cold email worked yeah um, and we start getting people on and I'm doing all the hacky things and there's no billing system and I'm taking credit cards only over the phone. And it's, you know, like that, yeah, the, yeah. I, it's I, really the right way DT. to start. Yeah. Yes. Good, the, good. I, I think the right way to start. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was creating value and that's yeah. all that mattered and nothing else mattered. So every single, I think the first 50 or 60 customers, I would say, cool, the trial is over. Do you want to stay on? And they would say yes. And I said, all right, what's your phone? And I'll give you a call and I'll take your credit card number over the phone and I'll punch it into Stripe directly and hit okay. enter. Um, okay. What was the so price point
0: that you launched at? Was it around 80?
1: So I always wanted to price high. That was okay. has always been in my DNA uh because I just think it's so much easier to get to significant revenue right. with okay. 50 or 100 customers as opposed to a thousand.
0: Okay. And how many so,
1: so you were around a hundred then? Is that right? We did, I think it was a hundred. To the bottom plan? Yeah, ninety-nine. 249 499 Okay. And it was based on the amount of revenue you recovered. Yeah. And then what I did to make it risk-free is I would say it is the lesser of 10% or 99 249 $499. Okay. So if you only recovered $1,000, bucks, you would you. you, you oh, it's a no-brainer then. It must have
0: been the easiest sale going, that's, right? That's, that's how it why should you be. That's you'd sell a cold email, you know. Exactly right. You'd so 10% you, of the money you make back.
1: Yes. If you yeah. recover zero, you pay zero. If you recover 500, you pay 50. If you recover 5,000, you get capped out at 99. Okay. So people were like, so I don't understand why I wouldn't do this. And I said, exactly. Yeah. Give me your credit card. Yeah. 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 Yep. So, okay,
0: so and sorry, I'm interrupting. Uh, no, no worries.
1: Please continue. So I did that, got to about a thousand dollars in MRR. And then Charlie calls me and says, Jordan, I got a problem. I just got my dream job offer. Uh-huh. And I said, Charlie, you have to take it. Really? You have to okay. take it. Yeah. Look, we're at $1,000 in MRR. I, nothing, wasn't, yeah. I, I wasn't doing it full time.
0: Yeah.
1: I was like, I like this, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. I, I was doing some consulting work and working for my dad a little bit and helping my brother out with something else. And like, you know, it wasn't 100% of my focus and I didn't really know what it was. I thought what it was going to be was a nice side income. 5000 bucks a month. I mean, that helps everybody. Who, does, who can't use 5000 bucks a yeah, month? Yeah, yeah. Of course. So I said, you got to take it. So he took the dream job and then I was on my own. Mm-hmm. So I just kept selling it and kept doing the same thing over and over again and got to about $3,000 a month. And then I had something really interesting happen. I got an email from a somewhat well-known entrepreneur. Most, most of us know him personally. So he's a great guy. Mm-hmm. And that email said, hey, how about an acquisition? I'm launching something new. I'd love to have you as a co-founder. Maybe we'll just acquire your existing company and let's do this thing together. Okay. So that, you know, that's a nice email to get. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that kind of got my attention. And by coincidence, I was in New York at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in New York visiting family for the holidays uh, where I would go back to see my wife's family for Christmas, see my, my family for Hanukkah, and we're kind of there for a week or two. And when I go back to New York, especially back then, I see my college buddies. Mm-hmm. My college buddies, I went to school in Michigan, most of them are in New York Mm -hmm. and most of them went into finance and Mm -hmm. most of of them have made a lot more money than I have in finance (laughs) compared to startups. So I start telling them about my company and about this acquisition offer and it kind of gets a few of them like, hey, that's interesting, but it seems pretty early for you to sell. Maybe just like, maybe raise a few bucks. I'll give you 25 grand. You know, these are the guys who just got their bonus for five. dollars Yeah, yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah. Yeah.
1: So I'm thinking, well, that's interesting. And then I have another friend say the same thing a few days later. I say, hmm, that's interesting. This one, it's not even an opportunity. It's just an email hinting at an opportunity. Yeah. Gets other people excited about a different opportunity. And I can parlay one into the other. And next thing I knew, I said, okay, I think I have enough interest here to raise a little bit of friends and family money. And then I can go full time on this and really give it a go. Okay. So... As I was thinking that through, I realized, I don't know if it makes sense for me to raise money by myself for a software company when I don't know how to develop. I don't know anything about it. Yeah. So I thought to myself, the right way to do this is to get a technical co-founder to join me full time and then we can really- And pay him.
0: But you're thinking you're going to pay him from this, from this raise.
1: Yes. So yeah. we'll both raise. It turned out the person I met, Ben- he, he actually brought a good amount of his network, and that was at, at least half of the, the raise itself. Okay, So, so that's when I, yeah, I, I, I looked for a technical co-founder to go full-time for myself and him uh, and the co-founder to go full-time on the software company. And that's kind of what turned it from like, what is this side project thing to, all right, this is a company. We're going to give it a go.
0: Okay. So in our journey, you're at zero to five thousand right here. So the you now yes. is like when you're gonna go from five thousand to fifteen, the second phase is what I exactly use for right. Call. Exactly. All right. Right. So so tell me about phase two.
1: So phase two is looking for a co-founder, and that again was a combination of luck and preparation and hard work. Right. Okay. So this is the point in the company where when you get a sign up, you care and you look up who they are and you see maybe you can add some value and give them some uh Write some conversion tips, and that's a great way to introduce yourself. So you're doing like as
0: one-on-one sort of onboarding. Absolutely. Yeah, from the founder. Yep, absolutely. Okay. Okay.
1: So I see I see an email come through with like a cool sounding domain. I'm like, who yeah. who's this guy? Who's Ben at skinnyandbald.com? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I go check it out. It turns out it's Ben Fisher. This this guy's awesome in New York. He's like in the startup scene. He's done a bunch of really cool projects. I'm like, maybe this is my guy. Yeah. So I reach out to him and I say, yo, what, what, are, you, what are you doing signing up for my, project, for my product? Can we talk? So yeah. We get on the phone. He's like, actually, I'm checking out your product to maybe build a competitor. Uh, but <laughs> he, it's great he, to he, talk I'll, with you. How uh, frank of him, eh? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So we hit it off over a few phone calls. And it turns out he's what we talked about before. He's a product guy looking for a marketing guy.
0: Yeah. Okay,
1: And then we start talking talk, hey, man, maybe it makes sense to team up. And here's what I'm thinking. And I got this acquisition offer and I got a little bit of interest to raise, raise money. And what do you think? And that's when we say, cool, let's do this. Let's partner up. He brought his network. I brought mine. We raised, you know, a small round uh, from friends and family. Yeah. And then we went full time. And that's what allowed us to get into that phase two in earnest. Now I had someone on board who understood product and understood software to a much better degree than I did. Okay. Then he started not doing the development, but doing some of the development and the setup and the admin and the billing and all that stuff. And then also was, it, was it
0: just coincidentally the same stack that he was used to, or did he have to learn? Did he have to learn new stacks?
1: It was coincidentally his preferred stack. It was PHP, okay. and Ben okay. was a, has always been a big Laravel fan, and that's okay. that's in PHP. And it was also. already it
0: was already Laravel, or did you have to convert?
1: It was in PHP, so we didn't okay. really have to convert very much at all. Okay, okay.
0: Uh,
1: but then you know, then we started really building the product and making it better. And then with that money, we went full time. And then that full time plus a little bit of marketing budget really allowed us to start growing. And then I built out I built out a cold email to demo process that brought us to, to 10K MRR.
0: Okay, and, and, that and how, was, what was that process and how long did it take for sure, you? Sure,
1: and, and I, I I wish this still worked the same way and that this was very valuable advice. It's really just valuable because like this is how you hustle. You just have to figure yeah. out what, what works now. Okay. So I went to Built With, I downloaded a huge list of Volusion stores because that's the integration that we had. Mm-hmm. And then I would send that off to one VA and they would qualify, they would make sure the site was in English, that they sold physical products, it was in US dollars, all the requirements that our software yeah. could handle. Okay. Then they handed off those qualified leads to someone else had, who did contact information, mm-hmm. then loaded that into Sales Loft, which at that point in time was a cold email software, okay. and then would send out 50 cold emails a day. Okay. And then so when you I pretty got a big list,
0: did you have a big list or was it not even that maybe it was, no, like, it,
1: was a, it was still a good, what, 5,000
0: okay, or so, so were, qualified leads 50 a day. And so you were, you were the one that was doing the follow up, though. Exactly. Right. Once an email
1: went back to me, once someone replied, okay, yeah, then I would, would get it. And then and I'd set up get the demo. The okay, yes. Yeah. And eventually I had someone who doing the demos for me also. So it okay. was just completely hands off and that was awesome. And we just did that to about 10 K in MRR. Okay. And then yes. that, as soon as we went up market to Magento, to other platforms, that stopped working completely. Really? And that's, okay. that's when we shifted gears. Yes, because they're bigger companies and you're not, you're not emailing. When you email help at online store.com, yeah. okay. you're yeah. not talking to the owner.
0: No, you want – so you, you realized you had to be speaking to the founder, and it's sort of smaller e-coms at this point. Right. The Volusion stores – and
1: if you sent any email, you know, support at, help at, whatever it was, the owner was getting it and was responding. Okay. I see. it. Okay. Then you get into larger stores that have five, 10, 50-person teams. All of a sudden, you can't get the decision maker through that cold email process, and mm-hmm. that's when we had to change tech. And that's okay. when we went toward integrations, and that's what brought us to that next level, to like 10
0: to 15, 15 to 20. Okay, and what would you call was... that? Phase three was that kind of a, a, a big shift. I mean, when when the last time that we were speaking, you were really kind of—I remember you were struggling, and it was probably around 2015, t- 2016, maybe. Yeah, that's struggling, yep. but you were just like getting oh, frustrated. Yeah. You were frustrated because yeah,
1: because we we were trying to get the and things weren't moving fast enough. Yeah, know? yeah. Thousand dollars in MRR is cool, but then you project out, and it's that sounds horrible. Yeah. Yeah. In the beginning, our goal was $1,500 added in MRR every month, and yeah. that was good. But yeah. then we, want, we wanted to get more. So it, it was a frustrating process trying to figure out. The, the real frustration was when the cold email stopped working. Okay. And there was a few months there of like, how do we grow? What, what do we need to do here? And that's when we found integrations.
0: And was it Shopify at that time? Is that, was that Nope. The, no.
1: Okay. Shopify is really phase three, and that's when hmm. we get into the other product. So that's, that's soon. I, I can get to that in a few minutes. Okay. Um, so what we did with integrations was we, would, we, would, we understood our product piggybacks on top of a platform. And so whenever we do an integration, it opens up a new market for us. And so what we did is we got better at opening up that new market. So we would do the integration, but then we would make friends with the team at the e-commerce platform. Mm-hmm. And then we would, we would figure out a way to have them market our solution directly to their users.
0: Ah, okay.
1: And, and that's what allowed us to like- And they were into, open to that. They were open to that, eh? They were more open to that than you would expect back then because their their customers were asking for a solution and okay. they didn't want to build it themselves. Ah, okay. Right? Okay. It's, and now it's the same dynamic now that we have a platform and we tell our users about it. And, and now that dynamic is just switched. Now we're the platform. Okay. But back then we had a really big breakthrough with a platform called Cratejoy. Okay. Great Joy was a subscription e-commerce platform right when that like box of the month trend hit mm-hmm. and they grew super fast and they really needed an abandoned cart solution. Okay. And so what we did is we did a bunch of work for them and then they put us right into their admin.
0: Okay. So you essentially tapped into their, into their user base. So let's yes. say it was like growing like maybe even to 20, 30,000 users and you were just like in your own ecosystem. No yes. competition.
1: Yes. And yeah. that was, that was one of the key steps in the business to enable phase three. Okay. And so, so we did that and we started growing. That's when we started to hit like 15K in MRR. Okay. Then everyone kept asking us, when are you going to do integration for Shopify? We're on Shopify. You know, Shopify started to become like the big thing that it is. now. Yeah. So when we went to do an integration with Shopify, one of the things we noticed was that their checkout was actually very rigid. Mm -hmm. Right. We were used to doing integrations with JavaScript and they didn't allow JavaScript on the page. So we started to realize, Hey, this is, this is pretty tricky, the Shopify checkout. And that's when from my time as an optimizer on our own e-commerce store, Mm -hmm. that's when I started to realize, I bet there's more to optimize in this checkout process. And if we built a product that helped optimize this checkout process to make more revenue, I bet it would be popular.
0: Does that mean you're going to leave the Shopify cart? Then you're actually going to leave Shopify during the checkout process, or what? Yes. Is, is it? Okay.
1: Yes, and that's that's where the product. So that's where we had the idea for what is now our main product, our only product. We've actually sunset and 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 finished off the abandoned cart app. We no longer run it at all.
0: But you still have that functionality in. in, we in the.
1: No, we removed it because other people got better and we hadn't done anything. So we just integrate with other people now.
0: Ah, uh, Okay. So, yep. so now we're getting to the upsells. Like when, uh, yes. when you're going through, like, let's say you're buying, a, uh, you know, like everyone knows you're going to Expedia and you buy a flight. And then in the checkout, they say, do you want a taxi? Do you want a hotel? That's what you're, you're doing the upsells.
1: Yes. And, and so that's, that was the pivotal moment in the company. We were at 15K in MRR. We had some money left in the bank, not much, and then we had this idea for the second product, right—the post-purchase upsell product for Shopify, Mm -hmm. and that was where we really had to—we took a risk. We took a—we took a giant risk. We bet the whole company, right? It was a four-person team: two engineers, one product person, and me. Yeah. And if we got it wrong, you know, that was going to be the end of the company. Yeah. And so that now what allowed us to do that was all the integration work with CrateJoy and other platforms were sending us new leads and new revenue passively. Yeah. So we were able to just effectively not do any work on the card abandonment product for six months while we built this other product. Okay. So that's kind of what gave us that breathing. So CrateJoy is still
0: essentially funding this this part of this development though. Even though that CrateJoy couldn't even use this, could CrateJoy use this upsell? No, um, no, probably. no.
1: It was just for Shopify because okay. what was happening in the market was that ClickFunnels had become extremely popular.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, in at least in part for being able to do post purchase upsells because post purchase upsells are good, but they also enable several new strategies that you can't do without them.
0: Okay, something
1: like like upsell to subscription. Right, So if you buy a bag of coffee on the checkout page, then on the upsell that shows after the checkout page, you can upsell someone to say, why don't you get this bag of coffee every month and I'll give you X percent off.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: There was a lot of that going on in ClickFunnels and everybody wanted to use it in Shopify. And that's what I identified. I bet if we built this ClickFunnels upsell functionality for Shopify stores, that's going to be very popular.
0: Were you at this time were you in touch with with uh, the people at Shopify that said that there was no conflict or anything like that I mean did you have a how is that how is the relationship with Shopify and how did you get that relationship it was tricky
1: and I can't get too far into it in 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 a public f- you know
0: forum right. uh, but it was tricky um, we but had you some had Just help- approach them I mean at this point I, how big was like what, at what level did you have to talk to someone were you talking to the like uh, the, the CEO, I can't remember. No, no.
1: We were just talking, talk,
0: talking to the partnership people. Okay. Okay. Yep. So you just like in it, you know, at the affiliate level or whatever. Yeah. At, at the app store level.
1: Hey, we want okay. to build an app. How does it work? What do we okay. do? How do we partner? How do we do content together? Just all the same stuff that, okay. we, that we always did for other integrations. Okay. And so that's, that is what turned Cardhook into what it is today. So we took that really big risk and it worked. Okay and when we launched it hit and we went from that 15 to we we went from 20k to 80k in MRR in one
0: year with, with the new with the new okay. product. And so that's really your big break. You knew that you had it at this point. You were on and it was yes. flying and you had coasted from 15 to 20 from uh crate joys uh um, exactly right ecosystem, and and then yep. you, you sort of said okay this is not happening. You cut that cut that one or just let it sort of die out. Yeah. We, we kept it for a while. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was, so two years to get to f- about 15 K
0: in MRR. Okay. Two and then, years to get to 15 and then one year to get from 15 to 80. So now yep. you're seeing your nice hockey. It, exactly. Game. Right. It yeah. was like, finally, this is what
1: we're in it for, okay. you know, and then we okay. we've grown, you know, several times that since, but that first year was, that was a wild experience
0: okay um so tell me about um shopify now is there any risk that that shopify could you know if you're integrated with one partner what happens if they just said you know like no we don't want you guys or we just built this uh we just built this ourselves or something
1: it is a risk that i would say the majority of new software entrepreneurs deal with a platform risk In one way or another, I don't know that many people who don't have any form of platform risk.
0: Right. So, so for example, like the guys that are just solely Amazon e-commerce products, they do the same thing with Facebook, Facebook uh, platform stuff. So.
1: Yes. So
0: it's, but is there a way that you could count? Cal- I mean, you could pivot away if Shopify did, you could, you, you would just say, okay, well, we're going to do yeah And that's, uh, that's the thing. Car. I mean, you're an integration. Mm-hmm. You, you already, you've done it with Shopify. There's no reason you couldn't do it with someone else. Ex- exactly guess, you know, right. Like some kind of WordPress yeah. thing or something.
1: Yes. So that's right. The, the, one of the reasons Shopify has been extremely successful is that their ecosystem provides an enormous amount of economic opportunity to developers. Okay. Then they combine that with a good API and a good app store distribution channel. And then that's why so many people build on Shopify. Okay. And so what, what Right. companies like Klaviyo, the email okay. marketing software, they pioneered the, the path. You get big on Shopify and then you hurry up to get to other platforms to make yourself safer. Okay. Right, so Clavio has done that very successfully, and a lot of other companies look to them as that's the example. Use Shopify as the distribution channel, get the experience, get a foothold in the market, and then expand to other platforms. And so we're we're taking a very similar approach. Um, Yeah, we dealt with platform risk like everybody else. At this point in time, we are in a good place in our relationship with Shopify, Uh, so that's good and comforting because there were a few years of of real stress. and now we're going about that diversification piece. So it's, you know, we're, we're not done. We're not close to done. No, so
0: now diversification would be maybe outside of Shopify or other products that, you know, that are sort of standalone or? Yes, yeah, yeah exactly right, exactly right. Okay, well, what about, um, what would you say to any listeners right now that um, might be wanting to recreate your journey? Uh, maybe even Shopify, how would you get them to start doing that?
1: Yeah, looking back, um, there are a few characteristics of the business that I'm happy exist. Some of them were on purpose. Some of them were by coincidence or luck. Um, a product that makes people money is very easy to sell. Okay. Selling revenue is where I always want to be. Yeah. I, I, that's, you know, we have a few competitors. Um, there are a few competing products that do things like fraud prevention.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. I, I I would not want to sell the aversion of lost revenue. I would want to sell new revenue.
0: New revenue, found yep. revenue, basically. Yes. So like lead generation, would that be a, a kind of a good example? Yes. Lead yes. generation. New um, deals,
1: new yeah. leads, new revenue, abandoned cart revenue, upsell yeah. revenue, exit intent okay. revenue. Like fa- yeah. Yes. The things that, you know, email marketing that you can trace back. Um, Text message to recover abandoned carts. It's a
0: great business. Yeah,
1: and you're not um, doing that.
0: You think that's that's open? You you think that's a good opportunity for someone to check out?
1: You know, th- there are a few products in there like Live Recover uh, that are already doing a good job, and so these you know these things get filled in. But Live Recover is yeah. a year old, which means yeah, yeah. there are other niches also. There's, there's yeah, yeah niches.
0: exactly. And, and, and in every industry, it's validation too. You know, like how, how you said you went in and you checked out the abandoned cart software, and they were doing it bad. So maybe maybe not live or cover is not a good idea because you know or a good example because they're doing it well, but something you know this sort of idea of found revenue that or new revenue that they wouldn't ordinarily get unless you had that product. Do you think ten percent charging ten percent is a good base or or you know for ch- um, charging your product like okay we're going to charge you hundred dollars but you should get a thousand back. That's sort for- of the guideline.
1: For, for abandoned card, it made sense, but I, I would look at it just on a percentage basis, meaning anytime you can create a product that you can charge a percentage of revenue, say, for example, payment processing,
0: yeah.
1: um, that can scale faster than adding new users.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So right now, let's just say, for example, uh, I mean, this isn't just an example. This is real. We charge half a percent of revenue. Uh So, if we just charged just $500 per user, if we added one store that made $100,000, we would add $500 to revenue. If we added a store that did a million dollars in revenue, we would add $500 to revenue or maybe another tier, a little bit higher. But if you could do a percentage of revenue, half a percent of 100K is 500. Half a percent of a million is 5,000. Yeah. So you can grow faster than user growth because user growth sucks. It is linear. It is difficult. Onboarding, support, you know, it's what most people don't expect. And I did not expect myself uh-huh. is that expenses just stick alongside revenue for a long time with software. Yeah. I remember when I was at that 15K MRR stage, I had a friend who was at about 125K MRR. Uh-huh. And I was like, you must be banking. You must be making real margin here. And yeah. he was like, absolutely not. I'm making the exact same amount money as when I did 15K in MRR. And I was <laughs> really? Like, yeah. I was like, I don't understand. Isn't there enough yeah. room for, for profit? He said, well, there is, but you have to make a conscious decision that you're going to grow slower and your customers are going to be less happy if you want to make profit. Uh, that is interesting. Because Right. So they go, they go side yeah. by side for a I long see. time yeah, before revenue okay. detaches. So okay. anything you can do in your business model that detaches revenue from expenses is good. Something okay. like a percentage of revenue okay. doesn't care about your expenses being yeah. yeah. So, so things like that are so things to look based, out for. Like commission based
0: sort of affiliates. Products. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um,
1: yeah, things like that, uh, being adamant about starting off with an MVP and I think charging more, uh, not looking at pricing as the way to grow. Like you don't want to be the cheapest. And this happens a lot in the Shafa ecosystem. They say, there are a whole bunch of products, so I'm going to make mine 10 bucks a month and I'm going to get, you know, 10,000 users. Yeah. It, when in reality, you know, 10,000 users is, is a nightmare. That's yeah. a nightmare of a business to run. Yeah. Uh, so you, you want to be better in positioning than pricing. Yeah there's a great book by is it april underwood i think i so. don't it's know called, that book okay. it's called
0: obviously awesome obviously awesome okay we'll put those that in the show notes yep that um, is a
1: fantastic book on positioning april, obviously april dunford, awesome that's it. okay
0: okay april dunford is the author april dunford okay cool hey jordan we're getting to the top of the hour here i want to uh, make sure that you get on to your next call but this is hugely valuable for me and a pleasure to catch up with you so uh I really want to thank you for your time. Um, anything um, we can tell our users more about how to follow you? You got to let's talk about your podcast, man. We, sure. we haven't we haven't promoted anything for you? It's all. I don't know. I, I don't promote anymore. <laughs> um,
1: so first, thank you very much for having me on. It was really nice to catch up, uh, yeah, even yeah. if it's even if it's recorded. I just pretended yeah. like it was just
0: us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, that's
1: right. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm around the web on Twitter. I'm at Jordan Gall. Uh, the company is called CartHook if you happen okay. to be in the e-commerce niche or just want to check yeah, out what you're doing. Out. And then I do run a podcast called Bootstrapped Web. okay. And cool. that is basically just our weekly musings and therapy session with my uh, co-host on what we're learning, what we're focused on. What the we're co-host about. is not Ben
0: though. It's not Ben. It's somebody else. You Is that right?
1: No. My co-host is Brian Castle. Okay. He runs Process Kit and, and Cash Jam is his personal site and... Uh, yeah he teaches people how to how to productize their businesses so he has a course called productize and a software product called process kit that helps
0: people uh yeah just productize their, their systems okay sounds like a great resource spoken from a great entrepreneur jordan's doing a couple million arr so someone worth listening to thanks so much for your time jordan thank you cheers Thanks for listening to the Big Break Software Podcast with your host, Jordy Wardman. Be sure to click subscribe and check us out on the web. Keep listening and your software Big Break could be right around the corner.